in a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants. One management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leadersmith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Okay, so this is the second episode. We just were talking about uh, President Zelensky, and I gave his backstory all the way up through the time that he was elected. So at this point, what I want to do is I want to talk about, like, so he comes to power, and he comes to power, and then at this, not exactly at the same time, shortly thereafter, the Servant of the People Party come to uh, they come into office as well, and they're going to be supporting kind of his initiatives. And they come in with a huge majority just to start. So it, it's a fascinating dynamic already being set up. But it might be too good of an experience, and I'll explain how that works in just a moment. At any rate, I told you how in the last episode, I told you how like when, when I heard his line about I, I need uh, the fight is here, I need ammunition. I don't need a ride. I was like, whoa, I have to learn about him. I'll tell you another one, uh, actually two more at least uh, of his quotes that I'm just like, wow, that's pretty amazing. So it's inauguration day. And this is where I'm starting now. It's inauguration day. And in his speech, he's talking about things that are going on in the corruption in government and things along those lines. And, and he says, we need people in power who will serve the people. This is why I really do not want you to hang pictures in your offices for the president is not an icon, an idol, or a portrait. Hang your kids' photos instead and look at them each time that you're making a decision. I'm like, whoa, okay. Instead of having like the president on the wall, he said, hang a picture of your own family there. And then when you are making a decision, think how would, how would they think about what you're about to do? I think if you actually were doing that, that would cut down on the corruption significantly. And and it's it's a really remarkable sentiment. And <laughs> I read that and I was thinking, wow, this he's on to something. Now, so does that mean he had a great time governing? Mm, not exactly, because he ran into a lot of crises, a lot of opposition, um, and he had a, a kind of a tricky run as president. So let's let's dive into those. So he's, you know, I mean, you inherit problems when you're when you come into the into the office. And, and so he nothing changes here. Now, there's this crisis in a, a region called the Donbass. Let, let me go back. There's so I talked about the Maidan revolution. That's the, the the revolution of dignity is what they call that in, in Ukraine. Um, in the Maidan revolution, they kind of, the, the president fled. He was afraid of the protesters and felt like he was no longer secure and he fled to Russia. He kind of leaned a little bit toward Russia. He, so the protest came because he was supposed to sign an agreement with the EU. He didn't. He instead was going to take a, an agreement to be kind of more into the Soviet sphere or to the, the Russian sphere. And the people did not like that. Uh, he flees to Russia. So after that, the Russians come in and they annex Crimea, and that's that little little peninsula that that uh, juts into the Black Sea, uh, which used to be Russia's in in some fairness, although annexing it may not have been a legitimate way of going about it. But uh, they annexed the Crimea in 2014, and they occupy an area called the Donbas. 
Donbass is just a region. It's a very uh, coal miner, steel mill, kind of West Virginia, Ohio kind of region. And, and I mean that in the sense of like, that's like the, the industry there. And they're still there. They're still occupying the uh, Donbass and they're still, a, they have already annexed Crimea. And when Putin comes in and the 24th, he's coming in because these, these, um, what do you call neo-Nazi nationalists are, you know, we have to rid the country of that. Nobody's asking you to do that. The Ukraine doesn't want you there, but um, it, it's kind of, it's very similar to the dynamic where um, uh, Hitler used a, uh, a pretext to invade Poland. And he comes in to protect these ethnic Germans because the Poles abuse, which was all, it was all kind of fabricated. Um, so Putin's taken a page out of that playbook and he's doing the same kind of thing. At any rate, the Donbass is, was currently occupied even before the invasion uh, by Russian soldiers. And so this was a tricky thing. So now shortly after Zelensky comes into office, he's challenged by Putin on this. Um, Putin makes a message of offering passports um, to the, the the folks in the Donbass um, in order, like you have, will issue Russian passports. And Zelensky counters. Now remember, he's a former comedian. He he counters on Facebook in a Facebook post saying uh, that he would extend Ukrainian citizenship to Russians and others who quote suffer from authoritarian or corrupt regimes. <laughs> like like he kind of punched back. Um, now. It's interesting because what, what Putin was doing was kind of just testing him. Now, that wasn't his first or only crisis. He also runs into Trump's phone call. Um, this is the only reason that Americans actually know him, generally speaking, was he was on the other end of the phone call where with the Trump impeachment, the first Trump impeachment. Uh, I think that I even have to qualify that. Right. So Trump calls him and says, hey, I'd like you to look into this thing. And that thing was about the servers that had something to do with um, maybe his his impeachment in Russia and partly with Hunter Biden's son or Joe Biden's son, Hunter, and, you know, try to find out what's going on. And these servers are in the Ukraine. So he's asking him to look into that. Zelensky is not doing anything wrong. He just wants to have a good relationship with the United States because he realizes like, Hey, this could be a good ally that could be good for our country. Didn't do anything wrong, but that's the next thing that he has to weather. Okay, so after that, um, we're into COVID. And so that's 2019. This is 2020. We're into COVID and COVID's bad for every world leader. Like, no, I can't think of a world leader who has not gotten the black eye from COVID because no world leader really could handle it well because it was just something so foreign. And Zelensky was trying to do lockdowns just like we were in other places. And he came into conflict with some of his other, um, some of the the governors of the of the various territories within Ukraine, and so it was just it was another black eye. Okay, the Donbas again it starts to flare up, uh, and so that becomes another thing as we're going into uh, to the end of the year into what's going on. But he did have. Um, and, you know, and he had promised that he was going to try to fix what was going on with the Donbass, try to reunite the country. And, and it, he never got there. Um, he did have a few wins. He got through some anti-corruption bills and um, he registered most of the country or probably about half the country on the DIA mobile app. I don't know how you pronounce it, DIA. 
whatever mobile app, which allows them to do things like renew driver's licenses, register businesses, create COVID certificates, all kinds of things that they could do virtually. Now that's important to fight corruption because if you can do this virtually, you don't have to deal with a corrupt bureaucrat who wants to be on the take and take money. So um, great. So he's, he's getting some wins, but at this point in about October, November or somewhere in late 2021, his approval ratings are down at about 25%. He's kind of a victim of his own success. Like he had sky high approval, 73% voted for him. And they're expecting servant of the people come and fix our everything that's broke broken with this. Okay, but you know, he's only human. He, he has to work against people that are actually trying to still be corrupt and that kind of thing. And that doesn't mean he's spotless. I, I haven't seen things about him being particularly corrupt, but you know, he's come, he's in this culture, in this milieu. Uh, okay, so moving forward, we get to the February 24th uh, invasion. And and I'm telling you, like some of the things that he's he's done are just brilliant as a leader. And that's why we're talking about them here on my podcast, because I'm very focused on leadership. Okay. So in his first speech, he says, and what do we hear today? It's not just rocket explosions, battles, the roar of aircraft. It is the sound of a new iron curtain lowering and closing Russia away from the civilized world. And he knew exactly what he was doing in that. He's essentially paraphrasing from Winston Churchill in his uh, Iron Curtain speech, uh, where, you know, Churchill coined the term. And yeah, that's right. That's what was going on. If if Russia could capture the Ukraine, why wouldn't they be going into Moldova, maybe even into Finland? Finland and Sweden are not part of NATO. And so, you know, while NATO is not doing anything to pick up for the Ukraine militarily, um, it's because they're afraid of starting World War Three. Putin knows that. And you got to be believing that President Xi is watching this because he really wants to take to Taiwan. And you got to be, believe that other dictators of other smaller places, uh, Iran or wherever, Syria, are looking at this very carefully as well. Okay, so he just a brilliant connection that he makes. Now, as a leader, whatever he says is going to have far more import or impact than whatever somebody else says, right? I mean, if I say something, it's one thing. If the president of my university says it, it it's much, much louder than when I say it. So as a leader, he's he's recognizing this. And the, I mean, what a speech. The second day, um, and so Russian propaganda is saying, oh, Zelensky has fled the city. He puts out a video where, where he's out on the streets and he says this, quote, I know a lot of fakes are being produced right now. That's what they call fake news there or propaganda. I know a lot of fakes are being produced now, in particular that I allegedly left Kiev. I stay in the capital. I stay with my people. During the day, I held dozens of international talks, directly managed our country, and I will stay in the capital. My family is also in Ukraine. My children are also in Ukraine. My family is not traitors. By the way, when I'm reading this, I'm reading the English translation from the president's website. So, uh, you know, it's a little off. My family is not traitors. They are the citizens of Ukraine, but I have no right to say where they are right now. According to our information, the enemy marked me as number one target. My family is number two target. They want to destroy Ukraine politically by destroying the head of state. <laughs> like, like he's saying, I'm staying, I'm here, I'm in Ukraine, I'm in Kiev. 
And by doing that, a lot of people who were looking around are like, uh, do I flee? Do I what? It's it's hard for him to call for them to stay and fight if he's calling from Paris. But if he's staying in Kiev, uh, that's a whole different story. And then and then on the third day, we had that that brilliant um, bit that I already talked about where, you know, he's offered to be evacuated. And he says, no, the fight is here. I need ammunition, not a ride. And uh, that right there, regardless of how anything goes from here, has made him um, has given him an international reputation. He would be speaking daily. Uh, he puts out these videos, and I think his background as a as a, you know in TV and movies and the production aspect of it has been really really helpful, almost like Reagan. Um, he's offering daily encouragement by video to his people. He speaks to the Russians directly. Go home. This is nothing here for you. You don't want to lose your life by being here. Um, th- this is a, a bad a bad war. Now they're not. They're not hearing that, I'm sure, through their, their high command is not going to let them listen to it. But it's bolstering the confidence of the Ukrainians who they, they arm civilians. They sent them out to fight. I mean, it's it's a big thing. He speaks to world leaders regularly. He spoke to the Canadian parliament, the British parliament, our Congress. In fact, the next one I'm going to do is a review of when he's speaking to our Congress. And he's brilliant. Like when he spoke to um, uh, the, the British parliament, he, he quoted Churchill. Now that was smart. He quoted Churchill during the Blitz. And so he's connecting the dots. He's connecting when he's talking to the European Union. He's saying, look, this is not just Ukraine. This is Europe. What happens if this happens in Ukraine? The next is on your doorstep. And so uh, he's just brilliant. But, you know, over the first uh, three weeks, he offered 44 separate addresses, formal addresses. I mean, I'm not even talking about like other videos on the side, but formal addresses consisting of about 43,000 words, as I calculate, and I read every speech, um, which is about a 150 page book. <laughs> so, so he's doing what he should be doing as a leader. Um, so again, in, in the next video, I'm going to review his speech to, before the United States Congress. And so look forward to that. Again, I read I wrote this uh, book very quickly about Zelensky. If you want to know more about him, there's much more in the book, and you can look it up on Kindle. It's called "I Need Ammunition, Not a Ride," and I hope you can look it up. Um, our quotation for contemplation is this: "It's the first one that I've ever given in uh, a foreign tongue, but it's this: Yatut, Yatut, Yatut means I am here." And that's what he said to his people on the second day. I'm here. I am here with you. I I am not a traitor. I did not run. I'm here. And there's very little that I can think of that would have been more appropriate or comforting for a leader to speak to his people after the invasion than Yatut. Hey, thanks for listening to the program today. I hope that's helpful. And if you can, please leave me a a thumbs up or a star or whatever it is. I don't know which social media you're listening to this on, on on YouTube or or on uh, the podcast itself. Uh, Leave a review. I want this to be spread so that people can understand what Zelensky is actually like, because I'm telling you, as as a professor who deals primarily with management, leadership, or organizational change, power, and influence, I give him the highest marks from everything that I've seen him do since day one of the invasion. All right. Talk to you another time. Thank mm-hmm. you.